and welcome back to Weird as Fuck. I'm your host, Ash, and if you're new, this podcast is just, honestly, it's just me yelling about weird shit. Aliens, mysterious deaths, cryptids, blobs raining down from the sky, spontaneous human combustion. I just want to talk about it. If you heard that tiny meow, that was Pino chiming in. Why is it always mysterious disappearances and never mysterious appearances? This week, I'm talking about two, yes, two mysterious appearances. Perhaps the earliest and most well-known appearance is the Green Children of Woolpit. The year, sometime during the reign of King Stephen, so like 1135 to... 1154? The place? Village of Woolpit in Suffolk, England. The chart topper? I was gonna say green sleeves, but then I did a Google and that came out like several centuries later. Um, so I think it was church music. Yeah, just imagine chanting monks as we pan over a lush English countryside and settle on a sleepy village. Villagers are minding their own business during harvest time when they come across Two children, a boy and a girl, hanging out by the wolf pits. Um, wolf pits sounded like super interesting and cool, so I had to look that up because I also didn't know what it was. Um, and then I just learned that it was a type of hole that you can dig to trap animals. Wolf pits is like a dope band name, though. So these two kids wore, you know, unfamiliar clothes. They spoke an unknown language. Um, and their skin was green, hence the green children of Woolpit. I wish I knew what kind of green, though. Like, are we talking like a pine green or more of a chartreuse? The children were taken to the home of local wealthy landowner Richard DeCalne, where they refuse all food for several days until they're presented with raw fava beans still in the pod. I wonder if they had it with a nice Chianti. Over time, they expanded their diet and lost the green hue. Uh, The kids get baptized, and then the boy gets sick and he dies. The girl, she, like, is fine, I guess, and eventually um, learns enough English to tell Richard DeCalne, like, what the fuck happened. The girl, who I believe she ended up with the name Agnes at some point... She explained that the boy was her brother, and they came from a land down under um, where the sun never shone and the light was like twilight. It was called St. Martin's Land, and everything was green. Oh, do y'all think they like were like a glow-in-the-dark green? That would be cool. According to Agnes, she and her brother were herding cattle for their dad, and then um, they got distracted by a noise, and some sources say it was the church bells of this village. Um, they get distracted by this noise, and they like get lost, and they follow the cattle, and they go through a cave, and they ended up by the wolf pits. Then they're found, blah, blah, catch up, yeah, okay. So then, fun little end cap. Agnes reportedly was employed as a servant in Richard DeCalne's household, and according to Wikipedia, she was considered to be, quote, very wanton and impudent. Which, like, good for fucking her. Theories about the green children of Woolpit um, range from, like, 
subterranean humans to aliens to fairies. I was reading a theory on Reddit about how they were like possibly enslaved children working in a copper mine and that's why their skin was green but someone chimed in and said that the amount of time it would take for their skin to turn that green they would also have been killed so that one's out the theory that most people seem to agree with is that the children were likely flemish during the 12th century, there were a lot of Flemish immigrants who came to eastern England and were persecuted. The idea is that the children's parents likely died during what Wikipedia called civil strife and, um, like, you know, disoriented. They wandered all the way over to Woolpit. Their Flemish clothes and language would have been, like, definitely unfamiliar to the English villagers. And their coloring could be explained by green sickness, which is now known as hypochromic anemia. Due to dietary deficiencies, um, like if you have this type of anemia, basically like your skin can take on a greenish hue, but it goes away if you like eat right. It's also speculated that Richard Jacalne and others did recognize the children as Flemish, but also knew that they would get persecuted. So they like made up this fantastical story, which people just believed since it was the 12th century and folks were hella superstitious. Not like a little stitious. Hella super stitious. More modern analysis um, of this story is really interesting to me because I've seen it like as like the green children representing like indigenous Britain and like the Celtic ways and then like being forcibly anglicized and the girl survives and then the boy dying like represents something that would rather perish than assimilate and therefore in its own way endures. I thought that was really interesting. This next one is a little less folklory and a little more Joanne the Scammery. On May 26, 1828, a teenage boy was found wandering the streets of Nuremberg, Germany, carrying two letters addressed to the 4th Squadron of the 6th Cavalry Regiment, Captain von Wessening. The first letter was from his caretaker, who claimed to have raised the boy since infanthood in 1812 and taught him reading, writing, and religion, but never allowed him to, quote, take a single step out of my house. In the letter, the caretaker was like, yo, he wants to be a cavalryman, just like his dad, and you can take him or you can hang him, like, I don't care. And I'm not making that part up. Like, literally, in the letter, he said, you can take him or you can hang him, like, on the gallows. What a wild-ass, like, caretaker move to make, though. That's, like, some peak shitty mentor in like fantasy or sci-fi the second letter was allegedly from the boy's mother but it was to the original caretaker when i guess she dumped his ass with like this terrible version of obi-wan kenobi she wrote that his name was casper he was born april 30th 1812 and his cavalryman dad of the sixth regiment was dead I read in a couple places that the letters had matching handwriting. Interesting. A shoemaker felt bad um, for Casper and like decided to help him out because his kid's just like wandering in the street looking confused. Um, so he takes Casper to the house of Captain Von Wessening. There he would only repeat, I want to be a cavalryman as my father was and horse, horse. Anything else would just, like, 
if they asked him anything or tried to get him to talk about anything, he would just break down and cry or say, don't know. Casper ends up getting taken to the police station and there he writes his name, Casper Hauser. He like sort of knew what money was and could read a little bit, but his speech was hella limited. Um, And because he couldn't like communicate his deal and what was going on really, they imprisoned him as a vagabond, which is rude as fuck. Casper spends two months in Lugensland Tower in Nuremberg Castle under the supervision of Andreas Hiltel, a jailer. I'm surprised that like wasn't a problematic sitcom from the 70s with that premise because spot on. Curious people would come visit him, which sounds zoo-like and dehumanizing, but apparently he really liked it. And he would only eat bread and drink water, which, look, I love bread, okay? I fucking love bread. But that sounds really boring. So, like I said, Casper had a lot of visitors, and one of the visitors was the mayor, uh, Mayor Binder. Binder? I don't know. Mayor Binder. That sounds like a theater tongue twister that you do for a warm-up. Mayor Binder, Mayor Binder, Mayor Binder, Mayor Binder. Sorry, okay, I think it's Binder. Um, Mayor Binder helps Casper develop better communication skills, and Casper eventually tells Mayor Binder what his life was like before they found him. So everyone had kind of assumed Casper was a feral child who was, like, raised in the woods. Think Jungle Book, but a little less singing and a little more Survivor Man. Casper was like, nah, what happened was I lived in a cell in the dark with pretty much no human contact. My friends were two wooden horses and a toy dog. The cell was reportedly not even big enough for Casper to properly stand up in. Like he just crouched and like scooted around um, and he slept on a straw bed. He would wake up every morning to a bowl of water and some bread that was like left for him. And he described that sometimes the water tasted hella whack um, and he would fall asleep real fast and real deep and then he would wake up and his hair would be cut and his nails would be trimmed. Sorry for the weird roofie factor in this story. Casper claimed to have never met his caretaker or spoken with him. Eventually a guy who I think we're supposed to think is the caretaker, he like shows up and starts teaching him how to write his name and to stand and walk he like also taught casper his first words via phonetic repetition and rote memory casper claims he didn't actually understand i want to be a cavalryman as my father was like at the time this man also supposedly was the person who dropped casper off in the middle of nuremberg with the letters and while this story started circulating in the media casper was like in great physical health with no mobility issues or anything like he had no sign of rickets or malnourishment or anything else that would indicate that he had spent the first 16 years of his life hunched over in a dark cell consuming nothing but bread and water rumors started that like he might be a long lost royal possibly one of the princes of the house of baden and like who doesn't love a good anastasia story eventually schoolmaster george dahmer um takes casper in and begins teaching him reading and writing and drawing Something that I found interesting in this um, is that apparently Casper showed a strong skill for drawing, despite, like, 
he never would have had the opportunity to practice in the dark alone with just two wooden horses and a toy dog is that a red flag when you take in a mysterious orphan a yellow flag what's less than a red flag but still something to pay attention to a year later, Kasperf was found in George's cellar with a head wound and claimed that, like, the dude who taught him how to read and write and dropped him off in Nuremberg um, came and attacked him, saying, you still have to die ere you leave the city of Nuremberg. Um, and this freaked people out, and he was moved to the care of Johann Bieberbach. Bieberbach? God, what a great last name. Bieberbach. Um, who was a municipal authority and therefore was packing. This attack fueled the rumors that Castor might be nobility. Critics, though, think that the wound was self-inflicted so that people would feel bad and then he could find somebody else to live with, since apparently George Dahmer was beginning to suspect that Casper was a fucking liar. A year after that, at the Biberbach residence... A pistol went off in Casper's room. When people rushed in to see what the fuck happened, they found Casper with a minor head wound, and he claimed that he was trying to get a book off the shelf, I think, and, like, knocked the wall-mounted pistol or did something, and the gun went off and grazed him. Except the wound didn't really look like a bullet wound, even, like, a bullet graze, so likely self-inflicted again. And his once good relationship with the Biber box um, had soured. Not only because he was apparently vain and obnoxious, but also because he lied a lot. Mrs. Biberbach called him full of vanity and spite, which, same. He gets sent to the house of Baron von Tucker, and that doesn't last long either because, oh, what? He lies! And that's just how it goes for a bit. He gets taken in by a household... They realize he's a huge fucking liar and hella vain, and they start to hate him. Um, so he gets kicked out. Rinse and repeat. One dude who took care of him wrote, Hauser is a smart scheming codger, a rogue, a good-for-nothing that ought to be killed. Zam, tell us how you really feel, though. In 1831, a British nobleman named Lord Stanhope took an interest in Casper and was like, let me be the less shitty mentor and help you discover your royal roots. Lord Stanhope paid for two trips to Hungary to see if he could jog Casper's memory. Um, although, okay, if he really was long-lost Hungarian royalty, how would he remember anything about Hungary if he was a baby that grew up in a dark cell where he couldn't fully stand up? I'm just saying. Babies don't remember shit. Sounds like you wasted your money, boo. Which Lord Stanhope absolutely did. Because Caspar didn't remember shit. A disappointed Lord Stanhope dropped Caspar off in Ansbach in December of 1831 to live in the care of another schoolmaster named Johann George Meyer. Johann Meyer. Your body is a wonderland. Johann Meyer did not put up with Casper's shit, so their relationship was much less fun than Casper's relationship with Lord Stanhope, who was basically a sugar daddy that never asked for any sugar. Like, he was still paying Casper's living expenses and had told him he would take him to England, but after seeing that Casper 
likely wasn't who he said he was during those trips to Hungary. Um, you know, that kind of just fell through. But Castor was, like, bitter about that. And he was bitter about his living situation. I mean, what do you expect, though, Binch? You fucking out here literally lying to everybody. Anyway, Casper and Johan Meyer got into this huge fight, and Lord Stanhope was supposed to visit for Christmas, and Meyer was like, fuck you and fuck this. Five days later, Casper comes home to the Meyer residence with a big-ass stab wound in the left side of his chest. He's like, this man gave me a purse and then attacked me. In the purse is a letter written in German mirror writing, which is, you know, like when you're writing and it's backwards, like a mirror. Like, I think Da Vinci used it a lot. Okay, so the note says, Hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how I look and from where I am. To save Hauser the effort, I want to tell you myself where I come. Blank. I come from... Dash. The Bavarian border. Dash. On the river. More dashes. I will even tell you the name. M-L-O. With the two dots above the O. But, like, at this point, nobody fucking cares because nobody fucking believes him. Like, the letter contains the same type of grammatical errors Casper usually writes with, and it was folded in this, like, tr- like triangle fold that he, like, typically used. So they sort of let him die of his stab wounds. I don't know. Can I say that? I feel like eh, some sources say that they just let him die. He gets buried in Ansbach with a headstone that says in Latin, Here lies Caspar Hauser, riddle of his time. His birth was unknown, his death mysterious. 1833. Which is like such a fucking dope thing to have on your headstone. The general consensus is that this was just like a huge scam run by a teenager that ended up with him stabbing himself a little too deeply. He probably stabbed himself to reignite the rumors of, like, his supposedly royal origin so Lord Stanhope would come back and, like, take him to England like he originally promised. The moral of that story is if you're running a scam, don't get so attached to a sugar daddy that you stab yourself, girl. What? And need I remind you, Agent Dave, this is a comedy-adjacent podcast, and I am certainly not out here giving scamming advice. But if you want to give me scamming advice, hit up the email, askweirdaf at gmail.com, or send in your weird experiences or things that freak you out so I can read it on the podcast. You can also catch the latest updates on Instagram and Twitter at weirdafpodcast. If you liked this podcast, you know, subscribe and review, that would be tight. It would also be tight if you told your friends, your coworkers, the random person you see but never speak to at the gym. Or at your local improv show. Can you tell I live in LA? Anyway, thanks again for listening. And catch a fresh episode next week. Goodbye.